Hello one and all and welcome to the latest episode of the Witch Car Weekly Podcast. Uh, my name is Scott Newman, Associate Editor of Motor, and if you're wondering where our usual host, Dan Gartner, is, well, we sacked him. Sorry you have to find out like this, Dan, but it's not, it's not us, it's you. Just kidding, Dan's on assignment, so I'm attempting to fill his massive shoes, and with me today is Wheel Staff Journalist Cameron Kirby. G'day. And making his Witch Car Weekly debut, Motor Editor Dylan Campbell. Hello, yes, be nice, please. Oh, we'll be gentle. This week, it's all about muscle. We'll be discussing the Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 that was confirmed just hours ago. If you're listening to this early, obviously, if you're listening to it in a week's time, it was confirmed a week ago. Uh, A Ford Falcon called the Holy Grail. We've got a huge scoop with images of the 2021 Ford Ranger leaking out. And hopefully at the end of the podcast, we'll have a quick preview of the opening round of the 2019 supercar season. So without further ado... Let's move on to the first topic of the day. Dylan, tell us about the Chevrolet Camaro ZL1. It's here. How is it here? Why is it here? Oh, yes, this is massive news if you love your muscle cars uh, and have been mourning the loss of HSV's own Commodore-based products. Um, Obviously, HSV used to put American engines in the Aussie Commodore. Now they're bringing the whole car here. So if anybody, yeah, for anybody who's not familiar with the Camaro ZL1, it is the ultimate Camaro sold in the States. It's got a 6.2-litre supercharged V8, uh, making approximately, and this is something we need to talk about, 485 kilowatts and 868 newton metres. This thing is a monster. So let's talk about that. You say approximately because the Aussie figures are slightly different, are they? Yes, that's right. So I have uh, HSV's own media kit in front of me here, and they've got uh, the approximate figures, and it says US figure TBC. So expect these power figures to be less when the car gets to Australia. Do you know why that is? Is it a different rating system we're using here or slightly different exhaust or something? Is that still TBC? It's it's still TBC, uh, but I think one can safely speculate that it's got to do with how power is measured in Australia yeah. versus the States. But it's not suddenly going to become 400 kilowatts, is it? It's going to be, a, it's, we're talking a couple of percent here probably. Yeah, that's right. That's it's right. still going to be really, 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 really powerful. Yes, and it's not, uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to make less power. Uh, it's just... HSV has to say it makes less power. If you put, you know, the yeah. American one next to the Australian one and run them down the strip, they're going to be door to door. Yeah, so the power is the same. It's the sort of respective measurements that are different. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, super exciting car. So we um, don't know the pricing yet, though, do we? That's probably the biggest question about this because it's it's great that it's here, but if it's four hundred thousand dollars, then who cares a little bit? It's it's not obviously, but um, that's sort of the one big unknown. That's correct, and it's uh, it's it's purely the realm of speculation at the moment how much this car is going to cost. Um, I mean, you know, it, it does depend. It depends entirely on what where they price it. Uh, if they price it into sort of C63 um, coupe territory, um, I don't know if the ZL1 can can kind of compete with the C63 for you know things like uh, interior and build quality and whatnot. Um, so yeah, who knows how much it's going to cost? Let's hope that it costs about 130 or 140 grand. That's fifty thousand dollars more than the 2SS that HSV currently imports. Uh, but yeah, hard to tell. And let's not forget that the HSV GTS, you know, the Commodore-based products, they weren't they weren't necessarily cheap. By themselves, so it's not no. like this is uncharted territory. I suspect the ZL1 will command quite a massive price tag for a couple of reasons. Um, there was one spotted on a truck late last year, and HSV said they knew nothing about it, of course. Cough, cough. Um, but having done some digging, the problem with the ZL1 is it needs A, it needs to be re emissions complied because it's got a different engine to the regular Camaro, and it needs to be 
well, at the time they said it needed to be crash tested as well because the different engine, the different everything like that. Both of those things are extraordinarily expensive, in, uh, especially on low volume cars. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was sort of in the high hundreds, but let's see. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully the numbers work out and they're sort of 120, 130, maybe it's 150. Either way, it's super cool that this car's here, isn't it, Cam? It's mega cool, and I don't think that they're going to struggle to sell the thing. We're so power-hungry here in Australia that they'll have people lining up at the door to, to buy that thing. I think you're right. People who are buying... You know, price aside, people who are buying M6s or stuff like that, they go, hey, I want something different. No one else, you know, if there's 100 of these things or 150 of these things, they'll go, I want something different. No one else has got one. It's super fast, super cool. I want one. It's seriously cool. And with the popularity of the Mustang, it gives GM fans the chance to be like, hey, I've got something way more powerful than you can get in Australia. Uh, let's line up at the traffic lights and I'll show you what's up. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we sat down with HSV this week, actually, and, and kind of got the scoop on the new ZL1 and the 2SS, a facelift is coming. Um, HSV, interestingly, is doubling capacity of its Camaro. So they're looking to convert 1,000 cars next year, mm-hmm. uh, 300 of which will be the ZL1. Oh, um, wow. But, uh, yeah, that's a huge amount. But that's uh, they've, they've crash-tested three ZL1s, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ZL1 will be... Uh, manual and automatic. So coming with a six-speed manual and the ten-speed automatic. Wow, very interesting. Um, was there any word on manual availability for the two S S? Um, e, uh, I'll have to just quickly have a look in the press kit here. That's okay. because uh, that's the other thing we'll just mention quickly. Obviously, the Z01 is the big news, but uh, the MY19 two SS is also coming very soon, which bring which is it's not a huge upgrade, but Cam, can you sort of run us through the main highlights? It's just a major face oh not major facelift, but a minor facelift. So there's some front bar tweaks, which depending on who you ask on the internet, is either amazing or terrible. Mm-hmm. I think it's a car that looks better in the flesh than it does in the pictures. That the pictures don't flatter it at all. No, no, it doesn't. It's got this weird sort of mustache <laughs> scenario going. There's like a little bit of It's not a the... cool mustache either. No, it's, uh, yeah. no, a little bit of growth. It's a dodgy one. Uh, and then there's some, some infotainment changes and that kind of thing. Uh, and finally, they're bringing the manual to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were only given the uh, automatic for the first batch of cars, and now we finally get Yeah, it. so the previous generation Camaro was sort of like almost a toe in the water. There was 550 cars, I think. Let's get the engineering sorted. And now they're getting the 2019 car, sourcing the cars. They used to sort of come in Argentinian spec because that worked for ADR. They don't have to do that anymore. Um, there, so there's a bit more flexibility and options, obviously bringing the manual out. So yeah, it should be, and 10 speed auto as well. So it'll be a bit quicker, similar unit, I think that it's in the Mustang. So, um, yeah, it should be a, a decent sort of upgrade. That 10 speed is uh, co-developed between GM and I think Ford. it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit murky about who paid for what and who actually sort of owned the project, but it's kind of hard to get your head around the fact that Ford and GM co-developed anything, let alone. So strange. I know, very weird. Can you imagine if the uh, the Falcon and the Commodore ever shared any component? Oh, the, Australia would have just sunk into the ocean. <laughs> uh, some interesting snippets about the uh, 2SS as well, the updated one. Um, the famous Chevrolet bowtie grille in the middle of the car is actually hollow. It's called the Flowtie Open Bowtie Grille now to allow extra airflow to the radiator. Oh, can you get that? That's the new hipster accessory, the flow tie. Apparently is the flow tie. Um, and something else that uh, may be of interest to people, the car will not be offered with magnetic ride control. Ah, interesting. That was my big question because with the, with the US sort of spec cars, there was the option, because it is an option in the US to get magnetic ride control that HSV is very familiar with from HSV GDS and et cetera, et cetera. 
but it's not going to come. So that's a bit of a shame because having driven the Camaro, the ride's kind of, it's a bit neither here nor there. Like it's okay, but to have that ability to soften it or then firm it, I think would help the car, but... What can you do if they're not offering? I suppose that's another level of complexity. That um... Yeah, I think uh, HSV looked at the individual business case for mm-hmm. offering MRC and it didn't stack up. Yeah, okay. I don't think it'll probably hurt sales too much. No. Um, so, ZL1, it's sort of come out of nowhere a little bit. There's been whispers, but no one would really confirm it. So, and suddenly it's vaulted to the top of everybody's must-drive list, I think, in 2019. Definitely. Yes. I, I'm so keen to see one in the flesh because it's such an aggressive looking car not only is it like because it's still a Camaro but it's got this aggressive bodywork to it it's got that bonnet bulge I love it I love it so much yeah I feel like a bit of a drug addict in uh, having withdrawals with cars like the W1 and the yeah. supercharged GTSR no longer available so to jump back in a, to a car like this I think it's going to feel kind of like strangely homely and familiar yeah, I think so <laughs> as well your question is will Ford will, will Ford respond with Anything, you know, a supercharged Mustang. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, What they do have, the Ford fans, is the Holy Grail, which I'll get to in a moment. But before then, let's just talk about Witch Car TV. Now, it's not on this weekend. Usually, we'd spend this time uh, spruiking this week's episode. It's not on because of the aforementioned uh, supercar season. It's debuting this weekend, so they're shuffling us to next week. But do tune in next week, which is the 10th of March. You'll see an EV mega test including answering the question, is Australia ready for the electric vehicle revolution? And to balance that, we've got a triple convertible supercar test with a Ferrari, Ferrari 488, an Audi R8, and a Mercedes-AMG GT. Now, let's move on to the Ford Falcon Holy Grail. Why are we talking about a Ford Falcon? There's been a lot of Ford Falcon news in the last couple of days when the embargo lifted, and everyone's going, why are you talking about a car that went out of production in 2016? So I'm going to take the lead on this because I was lucky enough to drive it. So the Holy Grail is an upgraded package by a mob called Premcar. Premcar came out of ProDrive, which handled a lot of the engineering work on the FPV Falcons. And they developed the Miami Supercharged V8 for Ford. So these guys know the car inside and out. They know all the engineering work. They know all the ones and zeros. And now with the Falcon having uh, been uh, having been passed for like a few years now, they decided to develop their ultimate version. So they've developed this engine kit called the Holy Grail, which develops 483 kilowatts and 753 newton meters. Ups the rev limit, and thankfully they've also put a chassis package under it, which is um, new locally developed dampers. It's got Cup 2 tyres. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, Dylan, as a diehard Ford fan from back in the day, you know, your dad had fast Fords, you're a bit of a Ford man. What was your response when you first read about the Holy Grail, and what did you want to know about it? Oh, it was it was bad for my imagination. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, it's the GTHO. Oh my God, it's the GTHO. Oh. It's back. It lives. It lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my first thought is, oh my God, Ford could have taken this engine and put it in a Falcon, put like this handling pack on it with the different rear control blades, yeah. wider rear tires, and redid the front and rear bars, slapped the GTHO badge on it. I know there's, there's actually, there's an interesting story behind the GTHO badge and somebody owns the trademark yeah. for it basically, so they can't be used by Ford. Anyway. Um, but if they could, it would have been absolutely amazing. Ford's own W1, possibly beta. Yeah, Might I say a little bit antag- antagonistically. Oh, well, yes. oh, that, was, that was cheeky of you there. <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean to pour cold water on it, but uh, having driven them both, uh, it's not a W1 beta. But it is a very, very, very good Falcon. It is... 
better than any Falcon you've ever driven. It's uh, the, the suspension and the cup tyres under it give it a stable platform. Like the steering's still a bit woolly because you can't change that. It's, it's inherent in the Falcon platform. But you can push harder than you've ever been able to because you've got a you've got proper tyre grip under you and good body control. And it's got these really sexy billet aluminium, aircraft grade aluminium uh, control blades in the rear which allow wider tyres. It's got 295 millimeter wide tires in it and cup two tires are usually found on things like gt3 rs 488 pista so it's serious rubber under it um and to be honest the chassis upgrades are pretty much as Im- impressive as the power upgrades because to drive it kind of feels like an xrh sprint because that's the big thing i think we need to stress so many commenters out there have been what's the point like i can go because it's an expensive package it's about 25 grand for the engine another 15 for the chassis and five for the exhaust it's big big money but and people so people go oh i can go and get 500 kilowatts out of a miami for you know four grand the thing is this car has been tested to oem standards it's gone through a full validation durability validation and it's all completely adr approved this whole car is completely legal in every state in australia turnkey you know it's as it as it should be even stuff like the engine calibration. Yes, you can fiddle with the engine calibration to get more power, but these guys have done it with all the full safety um, safety systems in place. Like it's still got driveline protection in it. It's still got all those modes that make sure it doesn't run hot or anything like that. So yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. And it's weird because when you first drive it, it's like, oh, it kind of feels like a normal car because it's so refined. It doesn't chug or like, you know, limp or anything like that. It doesn't, it's so smooth and everything. But then when you eventually get into it you're like holy moly this thing is so fast it just holes and holes and holes so yeah it's a really cool thing um hopefully other people in this room will get to drive it at some stage because it could it is it is kind of is the gtho that could have been i'm i'm very excited about it and i'm so glad that it it came out and it happened with these guys behind yeah. it because while there was the xr8 and xr6 sprints at the end of the the falcon's life <laughs> the falcon didn't get that that big angry farewell that the the commodore got in the w1 that is such a roaring dinosaur that is such a great tribute to the the commodore whereas i'm so glad that the falcon finally gets that treatment with the holy grail this is a mega car and i'm very jealous that you got to spend some time yeah absolutely it's like they you know the guys that did the sprint packages did a lot with what they had but by that stage it was a car that had only you know a month i sorry 18 months 12 months to live so there just wasn't the investment there whereas these guys you know, the Miami engine was always... And that's, you know, to provide a bit of, be- bit of background, why didn't they do a GDHO? Well, the Miami engine was always developed with this headroom in, in mind. It could always make this power, but there wasn't the investment in the Falcon chassis to really uh, cope with that engine. So there was no point. You know, they could have put the engine in it, but there wasn't the development budget to make the rest of the car catch up. So, but it's great because a lot of the people... Not just Premcar, but the guy that did the suspension used to be a chassis engineer for FPV. He did a lot of their damper tuning. John Bow was the development driver. Again, did a lot of work for FPV and Tickford back in the day. So these guys really know what they're doing. They're not. They're only trying to sell a hundred. They know that it's a niche product. They probably will sell a hundred. One of the first customers was Tony Lockett, the AFL legend, um, plugger Lockett. So he was there at the launch, um, getting a few passenger rides and stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a great. For, for all of us in media land that want these Aussie stories and we thought maybe the taps were turned off with stuff like the ZL1 and the Holy Grail, Dylan, you're a, you're a motor editor. It's, it's great that we still have these stories to tell. 
Oh, yeah, it felt so odd putting a, a Ford Falcon <laughs> back on the cover of Motor Magazine. Uh, it felt like we were back in 2012 again. I know. It felt like <laughs> driving, it was weird. It's like, is this 2014? <laughs> it's like that meme from Robin Williams. What, what year is it? <laughs> Yeah, we were handing out magazines to people the other day and uh, being like, no, no, this is the new issue. That's Relax, right. okay? It's not a retro issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We haven't gone back in time. That's right. <laughs> On other Ford news, Cam, the, uh, the Wheels folk via the Witch Car website dropped a bit of a bombshell earlier this, earlier this week with exclusive leaked pics of the 2021 Ford Ranger a long time before Ford hoped people would see it. So talk us through the process because initially... You said, well, maybe this is it. We don't quite know. But then there was some subsequent uh, information that came out that sort of confirmed what the story was. Yeah, it's such a strange story. And it is just so typical of the the media landscape at the moment. So the way it all came about initially was I was actually eating breakfast at home, doing my regular check of the emails and uh, email lobs with some photos of a ute. Uh, And because the images that are available on witchcar.com, you look at them and if you didn't know with the headline that we put on, you first look at them and you go, what is this car? It looks so different to anything that the Ford Ranger has. It looks like this weird mashup of a Colorado and F-150. Made me think maybe it's Chinese. Came to work, pitched it to the guys in the office, and we're all a bit confused. We're like, we, we, weren't, we weren't quite 100% sure. We asked the guys at 4x4 Australia. They thought it could have been maybe an electric car, something like that. And then it wasn't until we started prodding our sources that it came back to us that this is this is big. This is the Ford Ranger. Uh, there are a few clues in the photos that, to give away that this isn't a running car. The blacked-out windows made us think it was a clay model, has no wing mirrors, that kind of thing. The key indicators that this was Ford to us was the grille. It is very distinct. It looks like the, uh, the recently revealed 2020 uh, Super Duty, the F250. Uh, the fog lights are distinctly Ford. Uh, the dimensions and the body shape and that kind of stuff just screamed Ford once you actually picked up on them. And so at that point, we, 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 we started speculating. This is the Ford. Uh, we talked to more sources, and it people were a bit shocked that we had this photo because that's the other thing is we weren't expecting a 2021 Ford Ranger, even a mule, to be spotted for a couple of years, and all of a sudden we've stumbled across this photo of this thing. And so we speculated that that's what we had seen. That was the original thing. The, the, key, the original story was not this is the Ford Ranger. It's like we have these photos. We've got a few clues that, you know, it could be anything really. But we think based on this evidence and what the research we've done that this is could be the Ford Ranger. And then it got picked up and went gangbusters globally, didn't Ballistic. it? Ballistic. Every pretty much every major outlet globally has has taken our photos and run with it and and also shared our speculation. We were informed shortly after pressing published that the uh, the proverbial had hit the fan in the US. Mm-hmm. Ford America knew that we had these photos and it was going ballistic. They were losing their minds. <laughs> uh, and then it gets stranger. So there's a US website called Jalopnik. We all we all know them. A lot of you may also read them. Uh, they ran with our story and posted our photos. About a week later, they post a follow-up where outside counsel to Ford in the US has sent them a cease and desist letter regarding the photos, asking them to be taken down, saying this is a Ford product that has been, images have been released in violation of a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, for context, Wheels never signed a non-disclosure agreement. We are not aware of any non-disclosure agreement. It was so strange that this is an American site that didn't break the story that are getting this yeah. legal letter, yeah. which inadvertently confirmed to us that this is 100% a Ford product. Yeah, because they're not, if it's, 
if it is a Chinese ute or something that some guy mocked up in Photoshop, which is very easily easy to do these days, uh, Ford aren't going to care. No. They're not going to send legal letters. So um, it's funny because so many leaks now are, are so planned, spy shots and everything like that, you know. There's mules running around for people to see. So it's it's kind of unusual a bit in this day and age to uh, see a car way before you're actually meant to see it. Yeah, and, and from, from our understanding, Ford has been caught on the back foot pretty badly with this. This is something that was meant to be kept very secret, uh, and the way the photos were taken has obviously not been included in their plan, and it's a pretty, pretty serious issue for them. But it's also such a big deal because, A, the Ford Ranger is, especially locally, is Ford Ranger is one of the biggest selling cars in Australia. It's gone berserk in the US. Uh, and the next one is, it's going to be co-developed with VW, I think, is it? They're yes. going to twin it with the Ramarok? Yes. <laughs> the the Ramarok or whatever the you Ramarok. want to call it. So, yeah. For... Amaranger? 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 Oh, know. we're combining names here. Yeah, right? we are, yeah. <laughs> Amaranger. Yeah, has a nice ring to it. Amber Range is quite a nice name. Mm. Anyway, you digress. Uh, yeah, so the Ford and VW have uh, a joint partnership, so these cars will be uh, co-developed, much like the BT50 and the Ford Ranger currently are. Um, so Ford is developing the platform. It'll be an evolution of the T6 platform that currently underpins the Everest SUV and the Ranger. Uh, it will also be put into the Bronco, which is going to be reborn in America. Uh, and it's believed that Volkswagen will supply the engines. So it's likely that the Ranger will get the lovely V6. Uh, so good. Yes, so yes. Good. Which is very exciting. It's a combination of the best bits of the two best utes yeah. on the market. And it works so well for the two two companies involved because they just, you know, they it's a fraction of why would you spend a billion dollars each when you could just spend, you know, 1.2 probably between you or even less if you're sharing bits and... Uh, off you go. So it's uh, it's one of these, another one of these strange. Even twenty years ago, it would be unfathomable. But now, you know, we've got BMW and Toyota with the Supra. We've got yeah, VW and Ford with this. We've got all sorts of things. The new D Maxes, Isuzu and Mazda, Mazda, something like. So there's all these JVs happening, which is very strange. Um, it's quite important also to note with that combination that these images will not show what the next. Amarok looks like. The styling is completely independent. Yeah. They will have no contact with each other in that department. Yeah. It'll be like Z4 and Supra. It'd be probably even further apart. Like the dimensions will obviously be the same, but uh, apart from that. But that's a tasty because, yeah, we talked about the Ranger Raptor a couple of weeks ago and the thought of a new Ranger Raptor with that 190 kilowatt Amarok V6 is quite a tasty morsel to get excited about. It does. And it also opens the door for perhaps VW to do their own Raptor esque. Yes. Uh, product Amarok for the Amar- R. Yeah, exactly. R. That would be a nice thing. Yeah, they need to just cool. lick the stamp and put, put a, a V8 in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe there's some guys with a Miami V8 that could, yes, could help them out. Yes, that's right. Premcar, Premcar Holy Raptor. <laughs> uh, 483 kilowatt Raptor. That would be very interesting. That would be very interesting <laughs> be indeed. dangerous. <laughs> I know a guy who has a... Uh, we'll talk about this maybe on a different... On a, on a future podcast, but... Uh, he has a Colorado with a HSV GTS engine in it, which is suicidal enough. But then he went and put the Harrop 580-kilowatt kit on it, and apparently it just torches all four... It's on, like, 35-inch mud terrains, and it just torches all four wheels in, like, every year. So That's unhinged, <laughs> and I yeah. love it. I know, me too. It's fantastic. Special little spot in the glove box for his brain when he takes, right. it out. <laughs> <laughs> he takes it out. So let's wrap up with a bit of a chat about a topic that's dear to your heart, Cameron Kirby. And you as well, Dylan, as a former auto action hack. Uh, the 2019 uh, supercar season takes uh, takes off this weekend at Adelaide. The Super Loop 
500. Careful, yes. It's not the Clipsal 500. It's one of those events that's so ingrained, but it's got a new sponsor now. It's a Superloop 500. So, Cam, tell us, what do we look out for this year in supercars? The Mustang. The Mustang. Yes. Or do we try to avoid looking at it? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, harsh. Harsh. No one cares how bad a car looks if it's winning. Yes, that's right. Okay, Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, yes, I, I, I will admit that uh, the proportions are wrong in every way for that Mustang. But regardless, it's very exciting to see that car on the grid. Finally, after these rules being introduced in 2014 that would allow two-door cars to compete, finally a manufacturer has picked it's up... It's kind of the first Gen 2 car, isn't it, really? The yeah. first proper yeah. one. Yeah, it 100% is. It's, it's, it's a couple of years since those rules were introduced, and finally someone's grabbed onto it and done something with it. No one's done anything on the engine side of things. We haven't seen the V6 yet. Uh, <clears throat> Nissan. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great, and so that is the big big storyline. Is uh, Scott McLaughlin returns champion? He's wearing the number seventeen, which is awesome to see in a Mustang. DJR Team Penske shell colours, excellent. If you're a Ford fan, this is amazing. And now the counter to that is the return f- serve from Triple Eight. Yeah. You know, you've got Shane Van Gisbergen, Jamie Winkup, two of the most. They've gone down to two cars, haven't they? They really focused their efforts. That's it. It's super focused. Lowndes has retired. That car has been pulled from the grid. They're just putting those funds elsewhere. Uh, and yes, so it's a very focused uh, return. And Roland is not one to play second fiddle for long. He will want to come back and come out swinging. And Clipsal is traditionally a track where both Triple Eight and Shane Van Gisbergen are very strong. But in the what you know the. I think Cam Waters went fastest at the official test, but then if he fiddled around with the sector times, McLaughlin was fastest. So regardless, it seems like the Mustang has come out of the box swinging. It's, Ford has built, uh, I was told by someone at Ford, that the, the edict that came from high is make it a Commodore killer. Right. And oh. <laughs> that's a Brutal. Pre- it's a pretty bold statement, and that's what they intended to do. And Ludo Lacraft from DJR Team Penske has... One of the smartest minds in pit lane, and he has put a lot of time and energy into making this thing seriously quick. Then uh, I think there's quite a bit of Ford involvement in it, in that you know Ford Performance have done the aero in their wind tunnels and stuff in the US. Oh, don't mention the wind tunnel word. Oh, okay. Oh, te- technically, there is no wind tunnel investment in supercars. No, it was a pedestal fan and bits of string. Yeah, that's what I meant by <laughs> yep. wind tunnel. It was just it was just a tunnel that was really windy. They it blew- wasn't actually a wind tunnel. It was yeah. The, the wind tunnel is a, is a, is a long straw yeah. that they blow through. Yeah, it was the Burnley Tunnel, and it yeah. was on a really windy day. <laughs> and just, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Ford Performance has you know they've like they do with the WRC program. It's not an official Ford program. But they do lend their support in terms of their clever boffins, in terms of aero, in terms of engine, that sort of stuff for various programs around the world. And, you know, when you've got that level of support, they tend to do things properly. So regardless of how ugly or not it looks, it probably looks that way, A, because of the regulations, and B, because it's a really clever way for it to look, to yes. go really fast. Yes, the looks are a bit hamstrung by the, the regulations in the sense to meet the, the chassis, which was designed for the Commodore and the FGX. It does look like a weird mashup of a Falcon and a Mustang, because that's literally what it is. Uh, but this is a nice opportunity for me to plug the latest issue of Wheels. Oh, DJR Team Pens- Yes, they were kind enough to open the doors to Wheels to exclusively come behind the scenes of the development process of the Mustang. Bruce Newton, uh, very well-respected motorsport journalist uh, wrote the story for us uh, and it tells the story of how Ford and DJ Team Penske worked on the development. It was a very short program for a new car. Usually these are two year, 
maybe even plus uh, programs. They had 18 months, 12 months max to put this thing together. Uh, they said that if they had more time, they could improve the looks, but they didn't, so they couldn't. Uh, and yeah, it's a very insightful look. They are, We even got some testing numbers from them for when they're at Phillip Island and the work that was put into the aero and body and all that kind of thing. It was, it's a pretty intense project. Mm, should be, it should be good. There's a lot of good drivers in good cars at the front. So put it on the line. Who's your tip for 2019 Supercars champion? Uh, I think it's time for Jamie to come back. Jamie Winkup. He, oh, okay. He's the most successful driver uh, in championship history. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, McLaughlin will be his biggest fight this year. Um, but I think he's, he's, he'll come back very refreshed. You're tipping Wink Up versus Scotty Mack for the championship fight. DC, anything to add to that? Uh, I'll go with Scott McLaughlin. But can I also be sad that Craig Lowndes isn't racing anymore full-time? Definitely. Yeah, I'm no, very he's sad. He's everybody's favourite driver, really, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think almost everyone has some sort of story about why Lowndes is, is special to them. And it's, and it's the first time in Adelaide 500 history that neither Garth Tander or Craig Lowndes will be on the grid, which is interesting because they've been there for every race. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been quite a lot of change this year. No, no Tanda, no Lowndes, but we'll probably get into that perhaps another in day in a future podcast where we might focus a bit more on the Supercars Championship after the order, the pecking order comes out a little bit. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. On the latest episode of Which Car Weekly. Uh, remember, you can catch up on everything automotive related at www.witchcar.com.au and follow at witchcarau on all the various social platforms. We've been Which Car Weekly. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the listen, and we shall see you next week. Mm-hmm.